I like your, I like your flag of the great Republic of Texas. <laughs> it's been on my wall since I moved in. You know the, uh, the nation of Texas. Fuck yeah. Mm. Well, as usual, I like to start our pod out with an anecdote. This morning, I was woken at 5 a.m. by my bed shaking. First I thought, is there an earthquake? No. I realized there's lightning outside. It's mm. close. And thunder. And from there, I recognize that what I am feeling is, in fact, my dog being so terrified of the thunder and feeling the need to tell me and also get so close to me that I can't really breathe. So your puppy had a panic attack. A little bit. I made him a little homemade thunder blanket and he seemed okay. Aww. But I was just like, dude, it's 5 a.m. And I like opened the door to the deck and I ushered him outside and I was like, it's just rain and it's just thunder. And the thunder stopped pretty soon after we woke up. But he was just like, but there was thunder. So I listened to the Max Brooks Nerdist podcast and I, I fell asleep, you know. He's so smart. Not, he is. My goodness. Writing all his military history and stratagem reports and articles. Well, and I looked to see if he was like part where he went to college and everything. And I mean, because I, I totally thought he w had some sort of military background. Yep. Nope. Nope. Just a civilian uh, is was, good at research, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was really interesting. I'm also reading The Beautiful and the Damned right now. And my God, there's a conversation between these three gentlemen. Let's call them gentlemen. Sure. Sure. It's Fitzgerald's world. In Fitzgerald's world, gentlemen. But one of them is talking about writing. And I just had this moment that I had to sort of... I had to stop because I was so annoyed. I was just like, fuck you, dude. Because he's like, well, after this book, then maybe I'll write some short stories, and then maybe I'll go into a musical comedy. And I was just like, fuck you, dude. Fuck you. It's not that easy. Yeah, maybe it was. Well, maybe for Fitzgerald. I'm, I was about to say, a lot of gin went into that. If writing was comprised primarily of gin, I would have won a fucking Nobel Prize by now. Yeah, that's true. Or at least a Pulitzer. A Pulitzer. The poor man's Nobel. A poor man's Nobel. <laughs> it's less. It's less um, prestigious. Mm -hmm. um, yes, my dog's just staring at me. We have a an uninvited guest. For the last couple of weeks, periodically, something has been getting into our garbage. Um, hoped it wasn't something big. Really wanted it to be a raccoon. So we come home the other night. And there is a black bear hanging out, just chilling underneath one of the fruit trees. Just like, hey, dude, what's up? But we didn't see him when we got out of the car. We only saw him when we came back to walk the dog and stepped off the deck and was like, oh, well, this is going to be a very short walk. <laughs> uh, Montana. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of... Uh... My junior year in high school. No, senior year. Was it a bear of a, a year? It was a bear of a year. Was it a grizzly um, experience? Uh, yeah, you know. Did you want to go hibernate? 
All right. Enough of that. (laughs) I remember probably my. Okay, apparently. Okay. Apparently, I can't watch American Horror Story with the sound off because Maisie's getting pissed at the clowns. Um, Can't blame her. Which. You know, five minutes ahead of time, I would have been an excellent segue for this podcast. But my and my favorite thing about my senior year of high school is a memory of a bear. There were two bears that kept getting into our garbage. And one night we heard it and my mom and my friend who happened to live with us at the time and I had to get all the pans and pots in the house and just start banging on them inside the kitchen and then go outside onto the deck and bang a bunch just so they go away. Because that's what happens when you grow up in Montana. Clang, clang, clang went the sound of scaring the bears away. Have you been watching any of the American Horror Story this year? I watched the first two episodes and then I got distracted. Roanoke was like... It was. I liked that they changed the premise, but that was interesting, and like how they switched it up was interesting. I liked. I liked a lot of aspects of it, but I don't think I liked it once it was all together. I think they I overcomplicated liked... it. I yeah. think it should have just been the reenactors and the people that it really happened to had all died, and then you could just have the actor cast. With, like, the lone survivor of the incident or whatever. Because the whole, this is the actor playing the person, and this is the real person, and all the interviews and whatnot, it wasn't necessarily hard to follow. It just felt overly messy. And then in the end, it didn't feel very scary a lot of the time, because you're just like, okay, so Lady Gaga isn't a witch? Oh, she's definitely a witch. witch? Just not an American (laughs) Horror Story. Um, Vampire and American Horror Story. High short round. But no, I've been watching this season. And I've got to say, probably... I mean, I, I don't think anyone, like... Because I don't like horror necessarily. But I do... I have watched every single season of this show. It's um, not crazy scary. It's not. And... It's this is probably my favorite season, mainly because Billy Eichner's in it. That's true. He does. Um, he's like the special sauce to just about anything well, he's in. The thing about it is, there is an episode. Since you've only done two episodes, I, I won't spoil anything. But there's an episode that's really strongly focused on his character, and it's really really good Hmm. like it's mainly him and evan peters most of the episode there's a few there's other parts to it but it's mainly those two and it's really good like it's just really good acting that show aside Hmm. but yes i never think of him as a great actor so i'd like to see that not like he's bad but he's just always kind of he's Definitely, like, surprised me this season. Well, I remember texting you, though, when I was just like, oh, he's straight. He's playing straight. That's super weird. Oh, no, he's gay, but he's married to a woman, because obviously. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's been really interesting, and you've got some of the character uh, characters that have been going through most of the time. I think, like, honestly, I love Sarah Paulson, but I could... She's a bit... I mean, 
she's supposed to be a bit much and I and now it makes sense like we're far enough in the season that like it makes sense why she was so over the top the first few episodes but it it is it is nuts to me a little bit like it's it's also a little nuts because this one seems the because there's not any supernatural elements and it's not like ghosts or anything it's all very real and especially the, this episode, they have a warning at the beginning of it because of what just happened right. in Las Vegas. And they actually edited this the episode that airs. And so you can watch the full episode on their on-demand. But they're basically saying, like, unless you want to see it, we're not going to show it to you. Because there is a shooting in this yeah. episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always... Uh, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I think, honestly, Ryan Murphy does best with like satire but it with a realistic element because glee the issue always was just it didn't feel real and there was just it was just too much of a caricature like the the first two or three seasons i as i recall i I didn't watch all of it so i don't remember but they seemed like kind of normal ish but then at the end it just sort of Look, I mean, I I can't say completely because I did not watch that entire series, but when I would come in and then leave that show, it just, it was a weird show. But, like, Popular, which was his first vehicle, was an awesome show and sorely underutilized, like, by the WB when it was on. And just, I mean, yeah. But I do love, he brings back a character from Popular. And I think I mentioned that in the last pod, but it made me really happy because she was such a funny character. She was really Southern. It's Leslie Grossman, if you're familiar. Mm-hmm. She always plays like kind of like a dumb blonde. Yeah. Um, and she's Billy Eichner's wife in this. And their dynamic is hilarious. <laughs> um, but she is a, she's really solid in this episode, too, so far. But, nice. Well, I'll have yeah. to catch up. Yeah, I'd love to I'd love to chat with you about it further when you've watched it all. Um but, that was yeah. that was me picking picking your brain. That's yeah, what those little fingers know, were. It's one of my weird things, though. Like I I watch way too much TV, honestly. You and me both. Right, um, but horror is not really particularly my forte, which is funny because the movie we're going to discuss today and its book, most likely that it was based on. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously it was based on a book, but maybe we'll go into the book because you've read it. Um, or have, have you finished it? Almost. Yay! I mean, dude, it's a bear of a novel. Going it's, back to the it's, it's both, it's, it's greatest quality and its greatest weakness is its length. Because, so we'll be discussing Stephen King's It, the yeah. recent Sorry, that was, I just film adaptation. And the uh, and my my impressions, which I was going to see it last week with friends while they were in town, and then plans got changed and it never happened. So I saw it this afternoon. Yeah, that was. So it's um, very and I fresh. Saw it, so and I saw it like day after it opened, mm-hmm. which was really fun because I mean obviously I knew what the premise of this story was, but and so I knew it was going to happen. My dog's just staring at the window. I don't know. You must have a um, ghost. Yeah, definitely. That's not terrifying. But yeah, so my I went 
open uh, one of the opening nights which was both great because i didn't hear like too much of like oh this was a great adaptation or this was an awful adaptation where's tim curry um but it was also terrifying for me because i saw it at the alamo draft house and there were that was a theater full of fucking clowns it was just so many clowns in the bathroom clowns my favorite thing though was in the bathroom i was standing in line i was probably the only person in that line not dressed like a clown uh sorry guys spoiler alert don't dress up anymore for movie premieres i used to a lot back when i lived in montana but no longer um hi cat but i it was funny because there were like three teenage girls dressed as like sexy clowns and one of them was like oh so have any of us actually read the book and they're like no (laughs) and i'm like "Mm." in my day kids that's not something to laugh if you haven't read the book how can you say the book was better than the movie that's basically the old person in my head, right? That often talks. Yeah, I, I, I it doesn't work anymore as a joke because Vine is no longer a thing. But I often thought, oh, the tweets were so much better than the Vine. Oh, I love you. I never really got into Vines though. No, me neither. Red Vines. Um, oh man, I'm a Twizzlers girl. Get out. I know. You right? bite the ends off a red vine. What do you got? Well, you, got you, straw. Get straw. you got a straw. You got a straw. And I would do that every time I would go to concerts at Key Arena because you can drink your beer through a licorice straw. It sounds disgusting, and it is, but it's also kind of delicious and kind of addictive. More palatable than your traditional red beer, though. Yeah. yeah. But I like, I just like Twizzlers nibs because that's, it's very much. I don't think fun. I like anything called a nib. <laughs> great man great <laughs> it's, it's 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 waxy yet nostalgic which is also the name of my first novel coming out in 2018 waxy yet nostalgic mm-hmm. so we saw it yeah so you you saw it. she just was looking at me like oh no it might happen again <laughs> um, i'm a dog i'm old as fuck um but so i saw it a few weeks ago so i don't have like the i'm not all amped up on it vibes but i did have a great moment of my brother coming into town my brother does not like scary things he was in town this weekend though and in dallas the drains are weird on the street like because they're like curved but real deep and i think it's because the rainfall as i've learned the rainfall is really intense here And so it's not like any drains that I've ever seen before, but you can see pretty well down. Like if there was a clown in there, you definitely see it. So I was show. Oh, so we were parking, and I was like, "Oh, I bet there's a clown down there." My brother's like, "That's not fucking funny. Like, don't do that." No. Did you see it? I saw it. It was very scary. And he's like, I hid for a majority, and I'm like, me too. I will, I will say that there were certain moments that I thought were going to be worse than they were. Yeah. That I definitely was like, I was retreating into my sweater. The person I was with got a kick. I think they were more entertained by my reactions than anything else. I was anything else going on. I like to think I'm funny that way. Now I think the I think that they did a really. I think they did a solid job with the scares. I um, I really enjoyed 
the sort of montage at the beginning of all of them getting scared in different ways. Um, that I felt was the most well realized because it was each so custom, which is very much how mm -hmm. it is in the book. But they're these long, drawn out adventures over the course of like a year before they all finally are meeting and talking about it. And it's this massive sigh of relief. But I really, really liked um, Eddie and the Leper because that is like such mm. a disgusting moment in the book. And they did a pretty good job. It was it was a lot more PG in the book. He uh, offers to give Eddie a blowjob. And it's like the most yeah. terrifying, as his jaw is falling off, it's it's real fucked up. Um, yeah. But it's, uh, that was that was definitely my favorite of the initial scares. Um, I liked that a lot. And the hands with Mike coming out of the door the burning oh God, hands the, 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 the smoke because his parent yeah yeah oh yeah that was that was rough i have to say i was also incredibly impressed by by the kids like they were they were just they were solid and they it had a nice amount of like a stand by me vibe which i know they were really trying to get was you know that kind of camaraderie with some solid acting and I honestly think there were there were a few moments I was like okay you know, yeah. um, but I I was really impressed by all these kids. I was kind of thinking, uh, oh gosh, his name is astounding. Yet I always forget it. Finn Wolf something. Oh, uh, the kid from Stranger Things. Yeah, is it Wolfram or it's, Wolfheart? It, I feel like it's like Wolfheart. It's like basically he'd have a really good porn name. Yeah. Um, but I was wondering, I'm like, man, is that kid just going to be typecast into 80s genre films for the rest of his life? He could have a worse career. Is, right? Uh, but he, I was sort of worried he would seem like the same character, but I totally think Richie, different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Richie was, I mean, from, I, it has been a very long time since I tried to start it, but Richie is a really, he's... He's profane. Like, yeah, that's a trash big mouth. thing about him. He yeah. Has, the, the, yeah, he has a trashy mouth. Like, And I think they did a really great job with that. And I was... Mike, I was... I, I really wanted to like Mike more. They I like, fucked Mike. They fucked yeah. him. Because they took away... So first off, in the book, parents aren't dead. Parents are alive. That was total bullshit. But they took away the two biggest, hardest things for Mike, which is... A, it's the 1950s, and he's the only black kid in town in the original. Mm -hmm. And B, Henry Bowers, the bad kid who cuts up Ben and is, you know, a psychopath. Yeah. He has... He's a psychopath to begin with yeah, before he he's possessed. Grew, they grew up at farms that are, like, next door to each other. And yeah. um, Henry Bowers' father is racist as fuck and killed all their family chickens and has blamed everything that goes wrong in their life on those N-words down the road. And so when Bowers and his crew chase Mike, they almost kill him. They beat the living yeah. shit out of him. And he just kind of, it, it was so quick and it was this one time that we barely saw anything of. So it, that was kind of disappointing to me. Of all of them, he got the least amount of screen time and they, they changed it around to try and make him integral to the final confrontation with the creature with the whole gun and everything but i don't know it was 
it was a little disheartening to see him so underwritten. But I felt like the majority of the characters were really well realized in the spirit of their book counterparts, especially uh, Eddie and Richie. Yeah, Beverly was good, and Ben was really good. Um, and Bill, Bill just needed to stutter a lot more. That was my biggest complaint. He acted it very well. I just wanted him to really struggle. <laughs> yeah. Um, agreed. I think the only time with Mike that I got that vibe about like how bad things were, were that the, was that point when he was before the rock fight when he, they're beating up on him and he sees the clown. And he almost just looks like, okay, yeah, this is the better option. I'd rather this fucking clown kill me or kill them or, you know, like, I just, I'm done with this. The rock fight was kind of entertaining. It it was, it was definitely, it made it feel like, um, more like the Goonies for a minute. It just was like really fun and light. I think we kind of needed that for just a sec. Within the context of the film, it worked really well. I don't want to be the guy who this whole podcast is like, well, in the book. But um, one of them be that guy. One of them almost gets blinded in the book. It's great. Like it's yeah, real violent. But I loved. Then they they did the moment just right when Ben gets pissed and throws the first rock because he says something about Beverly and he's like, "Fuck you." Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't feel... I mean, Stanley was pretty good, but I feel like they just sort of rested on, like, he's scared and he's a Jew. Like, that's what we got about him. He doesn't like that painting at all. I actually got a funny text. I have some friends who really... Basically, I can... The best way I can explain is they're my Halloween friends. (laughs) They're my friends that really like Halloween. We all have Um, Halloween friends. We all have Halloween friends, and they're amazing. I love them so much, but they actually saw it the same night I did, but in Seattle, and I texted them the next day, and I'm like, man, I I just saw it. It made me think of you guys. I miss you so much, which is not probably what they, when they were sending out it, they're like, they're, it's going to make you nostalgic for your friends in Seattle. That's, that's, that's our market, but... I mean, it worked out, but uh, they were like, yeah, us too. Mainly because we're pretty sure the kid that plays Richie is like your long lost brother. <laughs> I was like, oh. oh. I could see that. So, I could definitely see that. The thing talks that a I lot, really. Kind of a germaphobe. Yeah, right? I th- the thing that I really liked about um, this movie, the book, this story in general, is how much it is just. It is about those tight, tight friendships you have when you're young. And it's like they are the perfect age, 11, 12, right in there, where you're not a teenager, you're not driving, you're not, you know, drinking and having sex, hopefully, but your priorities are still all in, like, little kid land. But you're old enough to handle shit yourself and to go on your own adventures and to do things and be somewhat independent. And it just captures that time in life so so well. I, I really feel like it's about friendship in such a meaningful way. And Bill Skarsgård being hella Scandinavian. <laughs> hella. Um, <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I was going to say something. I'm really glad that they didn't they didn't have the sex stuff at the end of, of the first not. part. 
Yeah. But yeah. But I mean, I felt like this was the the purest example of when you make promises to your friends when you're a kid, they're never going to fucking let you forget it. It's like when you get lice in, in elementary school. Side note, I never got lice. This is just my example. And how people would be like, oh yeah, remember when you got lice in third grade and gave it to the whole class? My big thing was I accidentally sprayed a classmate with pepper spray when I was young. Well, bear spray. Because wow. it was Montana. It was bear spray. Because it was supposed to be locked and we had a bear safety class. And, you know, I was 11 and. And you sprayed them with. I, I didn't actually get it like on. I, I didn't like get it on their face, but I. It, it was not locked, and I just sort of touched it. I was sort of surprised I was the first one that t- touched it, and immediately I was like, "Oh shit, I did something wrong." And, and I mean, it was all—it was all fine. It was not my fault, like that it happened. But it is like my most embarrassing moment that I've just—I'm gonna edit this out. <laughs> no, I won't. But um, edit whatever you wish. Oh, thank you. I will. I have, and I will. But. Yeah, so that's my, I mean, but you have childhood friends that aren't going to let you forget that shit. It's true. So if you Especially make a promise to come back. Blood brothers, thing. blood oath, yeah. Blood siblings oath. But I mean, so it sucks because like if you make a blood oath, you're really like committing to coming back and fighting that evil orb that they really didn't get too much into. They really didn't like it. Like they didn't discuss what, like what it was and where it was from, which I feel like in the first part, there was more of that. I think I'm, there is a lot more of that. Um, They give you like a a hint when you see in his mouth, all the like, you see the orbs like for a second yeah. in his mouth but like that's literally all you got and i think there may be um they're gonna film some flashbacks for the second movie with the same young actors and maybe they'll do a little bit more of a research scene or there's a they make an imp- <laughs> an improvised indian sweat lodge and try, try to get themselves to trip on smoke and one of them ends up having a vision uh, Richie does of it coming to earth like it's full origin um, and that's that's a pretty neat sequence the things we do as children right let's all get <laughs> fucked up on sage um, but I think there's I can understand the omission because it is a little more terrifying if you never have a grasp on it like at all if you're just like the fuck is this thing that can look like other things and is susceptible to harm, but definitely not dead. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like, and it was his, his disappearing thing was kind of weird. I think I get, somebody asked me what I thought today and I said, I'd give it a, an 80, 85 out of a hundred. Like it's, which is a solid. Yeah. yeah, It's a solid B. It's it's a very good movie. I wouldn't call it a B movie. I think it's a good, well-structured movie. I think that there's... Um, when he comes out of the slides and he's suddenly giant, it was kind of funny to me. 
So it's like, he's just like a funhouse mirror clown now. He's just huge. Just like, all I could think of was inflatable arm flailing tube man. Just woo. Like inflatable tube man. Yeah. Uh, or his little, I mean, his little dance uh, when. With Beverly. Beverly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I have to say. Uh, probably for me, the scary moment was that first scene with him, where oh my God. you're here, you're hearing him talk, and it's like you can see why this little kid had a conversation with him, and all of that. Like you, you can see it, and he's it. It's almost scarier because you can understand why that happened when he talks or writes them notes or gives them any sort of com direct communication it's so much scarier to me because it feels like such an intentional stalking like it feels mm -hmm. very predatory versus very random it's like no he targets these kids and he fucks with them systematically until they're so scared that they're just i loved how he drooled by the way mm -hmm. and in the first scene because of the water it really looked like it was just the rain. But then mm -hmm. in like the second or third cut to his full face, it was mm -hmm. so clearly that he was drooling over the possibility yeah. of being this kid. And the, I loved it. The salivation of fear. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the eyes going from blue to orange. I was like, yeah. looking, looking angry there, Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. It's... My dog is beating up on a stuffed animal. Um, I love that they're so chill. And then I start podcasting and they're like, hey, remember all those loud things we liked? Let's go fuck with them now. Children, right? Uh, it's hard to raise dogs. <laughs> I know. So so much so. Uh, yeah, no, I agree, though. Uh, he... Bill Skarsgård is... He's something... He's genuinely menacing, he's but at the same time, yeah. so not even bizarre. He's just wacky. He's just like, you don't think he's going to go. He didn't go Tim Curry in like the direction, same direction as Tim Curry. But I think he got as extreme as Tim yeah. Curry, just with off with what he was doing. Yeah, it's. It's interesting, though. So the first scene that was shot with Bill Skarsgård was that scene with the balloons. And so, which is a terrifying scene, in my opinion. And that's a really scary first scene. And he was talking about how the the kids are, he was like so, it was so insane to him how professional the kids were because he, they wouldn't let them, them see him before their scenes, their first scenes, because they wanted the fear to be kind of evident. And... And he apparently, like, at the end of the scene, Bill, like, came up to him and he's like, how are you doing? How are you doing? He just looked at him and he's like, I love what you're doing with the character. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, that's amazing. Uh, and so what, what a great... going to make a great producer one day. <laughs> I know, right? I, I, I wanted... I was thinking about, I'm like, I wonder if he knows he's gay yet. <laughs> Adorable. Adorable. I saw, I saw a little suit he was wearing. I'm like, oh, he knows funny i really yeah he did such a good job of bill did of stepping in 
and stepping right mm-hmm. out. Like when it was his mm-hmm. time, he oh that room with the clowns, that was that was a deep that was, was a solid jump yeah. scare. That was solid. Um, and I really, I really enjoyed the final confrontation in the sewer as he was changing into different things, and when he when he first Damn. gets hit in the head and then he comes back into the full clown get up and everything it was uh it was cool like it's it's well shot i understand the emissions that they had to make for time and coherency and just like you know you have to condense the timeline down you just have to um yeah there's no way we were gonna get all of that yeah and that's okay I I would l- personally love an extended cut. I'd watch a three-hour version. I totally would. Um, once. I would watch it once. <laughs> I would cry a little bit. I was going to say, when were you most genuinely scared? Oh, I don't know. Now, I mean, it's hard because it's been a while. Uh, honestly, the anticipation aspect was much harder for me. Like, thinking it was going to... Because I wasn't 100% sure what they were going to include and what they weren't going to include. But I have to say, honestly, some of the stuff with Henry was scarier to me. And I think that's the thing is... And I think that's a beautiful thing about Stephen King is he does all this crazy, surreal stuff, but... He also really writes scary people that are real. It's like that whole deal with J.K. Rowling's interview about her characters. And she's like, Voldemort was easier to write. He's not as scary to me because he's so fictional. Umbridge was the scary person because people like her exist. Yep. And it's terrifying. And I hate, actually, my one story about Harry Potter that I'll tell this one time um this this episode i mean i get one each episode uh until word struck brings me on so i can just talk about harry potter for an hour uh but i stopped reading uh order of the phoenix for a year wow because i hated umbridge so much like i know a lot of people where they're like the fifth is my favorite i'm like yeah i recognize like a lot of people that's their favorite but it was really painful for me to read because I hated that character so much that every time she came on, it was just like painful to read. So I read the first half and then I stopped reading it until the next summer when I was going on a road trip and I had nothing else going on. Yeah, she is. She's such a shitty, shitty human being. Cause it's all it's. The worst villains are the ones who think they are right and and have some sort of backup and some sort of support. Like, if you're crazy, fringe, whatever, I don't care. That's fine. That's not that scary. But when there's people backing you up and supporting you and you have a position of power and authority and you're not just some asshole, oof, that's scary. Scary stuff. But I, I agree with you about... Uh, King and realistic monsters. It's the same with like Misery and I think Mm -hmm. Jack in um, The Shining. He does a lot with domestic abuse situations, especially. Mm -hmm. I think partly because his father left them um, and he never really knew him at all. But I think it's, it's such a real terror for so many people. 
that mm-hmm. having having that in a story where there's a insane killer clown from outer space, um, it just ugh. Or just I I honestly that should, that should have been the title I think. Insane killer clowns insane from killer outer space. Insane killer clown from outer space. Yeah. Yeah, I'd watch that. I'm pretty sure there is a be. movie called Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It's like the book that Blade Runners uh, uh, do androids dream of electric sheep. Mm-hmm. Like, God, that was a great title. I get why they didn't choose it, but great title. Oh, 100%. That's why the new anthology series on Amazon is called Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. Okay. Yep. Oh, have you, you got to see the trailer. It looks awesome. Haven't. Brian Cranston's it. in it. Anna Paquin. Mm-hmm. Um, the gang's all there. Other people, but it's, you know... They're all in my fantasy league. It's uh, so. ten, 10 movies, basically. Ugh, I love it. It's the golden age of television right now. The golden age! These these anthology shows, I mean... I love them. If an episode Give isn't great, it's fine. Watch the next one. It's going to be totally different. That episode of Black Mirror didn't make you cry? Oh, well, wait for the next one. Are you feeling you happy? Watch Black Mirror. <laughs> that should be their slogan. Right. Um, sorry, speaking of the realistic monsters, though, I think the other thing that bummed me out was, uh, I'm trying to remember his last name, but it was Patrick something. Mm-hmm. It was Huscum, one of Henry's friends. Husker? Uh, yeah. And he he's very small in the movie. Like, and not, I mean, but, and they do, like, an allusion to his like pyromania and stuff but as i recall because i will state i only have read the first part of it only the first part because the second part did not appeal to me and i was like i'm just gonna pretend this is done and maybe i'll read the second part before no. the movie but as i remember patrick was really terrifying in the book like far scarier in some in some ways, than Henry to me before Henry got like really crazy. Well, and they all, as a unit, they're so scary. That was yeah. the, the way they played off each other and fed into each other. There's one kid who's in like one scene and briefly he's in the rock fight. And then after that, he's like, fuck this. I don't want to hang out with you guys anymore. This is ridiculous. But um, yeah, Patrick Henry and there's, uh, oh, Patrick Henry. <laughs> and then there's another one whose name I don't remember at the moment. But um can't remember the way that the way that he actually physically cuts ben and carves an h into him i'm like that to me is scarier than the clown is like being held down by your peers and mm-hmm. cut and that they see nothing wrong with it like it's one thing if it's a creature that feeds on fear but this is just sadistic torture these are people these are like kids your age i'm bummed that they didn't with henry's dad uh i'm not bummed but it would make more sense if he had been a bigger dick yeah he's a huge dick because he's not and so it honestly makes when he kills him even worse oh yeah and it's it's so like it kind of robs henry a little bit of like this tiny grain of sympathy when you see and and read about how his dad has beat the living shit out of him his whole life like it makes and has told him all these terrible racist lies his whole life like it makes the twisted person he is not defensible but understandable it's like wow you come from a really fucked up background and that really sucks so it it gives it 
this added layer of sadness that's almost redemptive. It gives it a little bit of catharsis almost, like true dramatic, not sorrow, um, tragedy. Jesus, Dan. God. Been out of the city too long. I've been Dan. out of the city too long. I've gotten to talk real slow. Um, no. I think I figured out what the scariest it moment was for me, though. Yeah? I think it was the library. Oh, yeah. I think the library was scary. I think Ben's fear, the the burning children and all that research and everything, like, that was, like, the Easter eggs. uh, It was just, it was, it was a bit much, like, when he was looking through the book and it was getting closer and you see the head and the tree and, oh, God, that was rough. I I think that was probably in my, for me, that was the worst one of the it scares. Right. Beverly's dad scared the shit oh, out of Beverly's me. Dad all the ways the they shortchanged um, Henry's dad, they did Beverly's dad right. Like he was so fucking gross. Because like they he, they made him creepy without going over the line of making you like feel like no, this is incredible. Like you knew it was wrong. You knew like, what was going on. You but, knew yeah, what his where his like persona was on all of that, but. They didn't go to a point to, like, alienate the audience, I think. Because I think that's a really, that's a line that's, you, you can't tow lightly. Well, and I think because of the age of the actors, it'd be so hard to do anything with that. Yeah. Of any substance. Like, it would have to it's come down to the them 80s. talking about it. But, yeah. Right? <laughs> this isn't Brooke Shields being a prostitute. Oh, so gross. Or Blue Lagoon Brooke Shields. Man, Brooke Shields. I'm glad she it's turned amazing. out okay. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, good for her. She could have gone all Macaulay Culkin and had a lot of rough years, you know, but she didn't. Macaulay Culkin is now dating Wendy Wu Homecoming Warrior, so I'm, I'm stoked for that matchup. That will be such an interesting wedding. I don't know if they're going to get married. <laughs> Dating is dating. Uh, to quote Michael Scott, engaged and gay is engaged. Engaged ain't married. <laughs> this is true. Um, this is true. Now that we're done bashing people, <laughs> oh. what you don't know is 40% of this podcast is us being dicks. The real editing comes down to getting all of Adair's racial slurs and my sexism just right out of this thing. And now... <clears throat> And now that I'm in Texas, oh boy, do I have some new ones. That's a really creative term for a Mexican. Uh, Oh, Texas. You know what's funny? I have experienced... The only negative thing I've experienced so far here is just really bad drivers. Like, aggressively bad drivers. I was really hoping you'd say, I haven't experienced any racism, and I was going to say... Of course you haven't. You're white. <laughs> what are you no. about? Um, <laughs> Somebody get mad at you for having dreadlocks? That's still not racism. <laughs> That's right, Mon. Uh, <laughs> so, no, I mean, people are really nice here. I Actually, my neighbors... My they na- buy you a gun? No, they did not buy me a gun. Uh, I think it's a little gauche considering the climate. Uh, it's still Texas. True. But, no, they're just really adorable and check in on me. Like, I have a lovely gay couple that lives 
below and to the side of me and I always seem to leave when they're coming or they're coming when I'm leaving. It's funny because they'll like roll down the window and they're like, we just missed you. Um, and they always are having like cocktails on their porch and and I park my car by their porch and so they're, they always say hi and they have two very small dogs that are, I think, of a chihuahua breed. And then there's another woman who's in the apartment next to theirs that's right by the dog park. And she's a she's single. Uh, she's, like, recently-ish divorced, like, last two years. But she uh, she's just so sweet. She's, like, probably in her late 50s. And she's like, I just love, I loved seeing you and your mom together when she was here. And she, like, asks me questions. And she's just like, and she's like I love your dogs. They're so cute. And she has this little puppy named Stormy. Um, Aww. But, yeah, so... She and I will often be in the morning in this at the dog park together because the big dogs are a little bit much. But they all kind of check on me and see because they know I moved from Seattle and I don't have family in Dallas and everything. So they're all very sweet. And it's honestly like the nicest neighbor dynamic I've had probably since my childhood home. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It is nice. Give me the hard sell on Texas. Well, Sounds pretty nice. Well, also my brother came to visit, and he just, like, by the first... I just hear you, like, doing this, and you're, like, talking, and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> my body's making noises that I can't control. Okay. I feel like a creepy Scandinavian clown. <laughs> uh, no, my brother came to visit, and, like, halfway through the trip, he's like, I should have bought a house in Dallas. I'm like, well, we don't have as many hurricanes as you do in Houston. But, you know, he really likes my neighborhood and everything. He's like, do you mind me asking how much you pay rent? And I told him, he's like, oh, my God, that's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh, I can't even imagine what a mortgage was like. When you get into your 40s, I think, like, talking about low mortgage payments is kind of like watching porn. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully... I was going to say, all that disposable income must make life real hard. All right. I I assume. I I really don't know. So, if you were going to... If you were going to give this movie one critique that it should work on improving Mm. for the next chapter, what would it be? What what, what should they fix? Everybody needs constructive criticism. Don't M. Night Shyamalan it. Like, this is my biggest thing about a lot of scary movies, particularly like M. Night Shyamalan does this, where he shows m- more than he tells. And I feel like Bill Skarsgård is really good in this. I, I think there are some moments that are, like, kind of caricature but I think you need it, honestly, with the, with the format and the subject matter. He does so much with his hands, so much with different, like, his eyes, with his smile, like... There's so much that happens that isn't just like, oh, like the scene in the kitchen, I didn't really find scary. And I think part of it I was thinking about later is because you can see all of him. And for a long time. Yeah. And I think it's better when it's just like. Almost full light, too. Like he's very well lit. And then he gets right in the head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, spoilers. I mean, yeah, that, ki- that, that that haunted house 
thing was yeah it's super the house on Nebold street yeah that's uh there the lighting is it's decent considering the dilapidated state of the uh the floorboards but just have a nice little hole right in the middle but yeah so i would say honestly i know in general the premise of the second part and I think it's very doable to do that, to do it more on voices, on on shadowing and things like that. I find it scarier when that happens. Signs he stalks the adults yeah. a lot more. Oh yeah. yeah, in the second half, he definitely there's a lot more like go away, this is your one warning kind of messages and creepy things that happen. I hear he. I hear he. I hear he. He inhabits Henry again, which I'm like, oh, good. Oh, good. I was so worried that wouldn't happen. No, I mean, but that's my thing is like, signs was so much scarier when there was a fingers under the door than when there was an alien standing in their living room. Right. Like that's so. I'd rather see eyes in a sewer than see him dancing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. It's always the danger of. It's it's the Jaws principle. There's only a couple of shots where you see the whole thing because if you look at it very closely, it's a fake mechanical shark. And I mean, they really were going to show it more when they, it was functioning properly, but it wasn't yeah, functioning. Right. I mean, that shark not operating properly was a godsend. Oh yeah, saved them. It made the movie so much better. And I think even though you can make something happen with CGI, you can get so far with writing and sounds and little little moments versus I'm gonna come running at you like just a little more stalking stalking is the worst part god yeah, like it's not is... scary like the the original halloween great example it's not as scary to see michael myers standing in the hallway but to be looking through his eyes and just catching glimpses as he's following the girl around the house right before he kills her that's or the night yeah. vision in silence of the lambs yep oh that's so good yeah oh, she does such a good job groping around at nothing yeah i mean yeah she really had to sell it when she had was a romantic interest for matthew mcconaughey in contact so i think you know it was good practice for her before that groping at nothing <laughs> yep so if you had one critique, what would yours be? Um, I think my one critique for this film, like my, my main issue is there was just a little too much. It's hard with seven main characters to give them all any sort of equal time, but it very much became... Beverly, Ben, and Bill show, which is key and important. But they're but the kind tapestry. of the least interesting. <laughs> yeah, and the tapestry of it all comes through by them all being seven really different kids. Like, even though they're majority white boys, they're all fairly different, both socioeconomically, religiously, and disposition. And we got some really nice scenes showing that. But the group got a little homogenous. Like it became Eddie and Richie are fighting. And then Bill says something. And then Beverly backs him up. That was like the formula over and over again. And they just breaking that up a little bit. And it'll be easier with the adults. Cause they do all change to some extent, especially Ben. Cause he gets 
real trim. Who's loses the one all the that weight. stays in Derry? One of them becomes the librarian. Mike originally. I think they're gonna make it Ben because he did. Because he's in the library, like. Because he's in the library all the time. That's what I was in wondering. In the book, um, in the book, Mike stays and Ben becomes an architect. But they also okay. got rid of um, the big architectural stuff. They build a clubhouse. They build yeah. the smokehouse. They build a dam in the Barrens, and and Ben's in charge of all that. So because they got rid of that, I think they're probably going to make They're going to do something racist to make him a rapper. Oh, shit. No, I mean... Donald Glover plays Ben, huh? I don't think it would ever happen, but I would love that. Me too. I would love that. But I think think a good direction for Mike, since they took that from him, uh, might be putting him in the military. Ooh, I could see that. But but he has such a thing against killing, though. I could see but him be a doctor. At the end, oh, yeah. at the end, he killed the sheep. Like I think he got he got over it. So, but it seems like more like it. it was like he he lost the energy to fight it, not like that it was yeah. something he was okay with, not like it was a fear. Well, I mean that's kind of what happens when you become a good soldier. Is you just kind of like you stop fighting against the human nature to not do harm. That part of yourself you just suppress. Yeah, I think so, they're definitely still going to go the filmmaker route with the posters that were in the bedroom. Oh, yeah. Like, I was like, who oh, foreshadowing? And they were all perfect. Like, like, they were all pristine. I hate when when they do a period movie and there's posters or merchandise and it's all perfect. Like, no, just because it's new. Like, the kids would have bent the corners or written on things or torn stuff already. Like, no kid keeps a perfectly clean poster. My sister's Titanic poster was fringed. I'm sure it had a nice hole worn from where she practiced kissing on uh, on Kate uh, Winslet. On <laughs> That's right. No. Uh... <laughs> uh... Alternate title. Oh shit! Can I can I have a minute? I... Sure, you can have a minute. I know it's already a movie, but it follows. Ah-ha-ha. It comes at night. Nice. Or the night up. I'm just stealing other titles. What what's your title? Shut the fuck up, Richie. <laughs> I do love that. I love Richie. Richie's my favorite. That's not true. Ben is my favorite. Ben is my absolute favorite out of all. Really? Why is that? Um because of the journey he goes on as an adult, based on the book. I mean it may be different in this, but he is so lovesick for Beverly. And he's such a little romantic, and he's so pining away. And then he goes and becomes this badass, world-famous architect. And, you know, he loses the weight. He proves his gym teacher wrong. He does has all these little personal triumphs after, like, almost dying as a kid. Getting the shit beat out of him so bad. Oh, that was my other thing. In the book, um, Eddie's arm is broken by Henry Bowers. He twists it so much that it snaps. And it's such a great moment. It's so visceral. But to have it happen in the house, I'm like, if you want me to care about Bowers, have him be a fucking monster. Yeah. No. Um, oh, I have one last note, though. No, I agree with that, though. I totally forgotten about that. Yeah. <sighs> fucking movies. Um, I love them. Love uh, Georgie. That kid was 
perfect as Georgie. Oh, he was great. Because he was the perfect yeah. amount of cute and really terrifying in the basement. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oof. And when, and when uh, he was it again, aside from it being really obvious that he had his arm in his sweater. Yeah. It's like, I'm missing an arm. This sweater just kind of hangs funny. Don't look too closely. Come here, Bill. Yeah. No, um, no, he was very talented. He was, and he had, he had very difficult scenes, especially for a kid his age. He's probably I'm, like, what, eight? Well, yeah, and he has, I think he really, he opens and he closes it. Like, mm-hmm. really, if you think about it. And that's really hard to do for anyone. And to be that age and to pull that shit off is so impressive. He was to the point that part of me was like, yeah, I'll, I'll come to you. No, I need to put something into your mouth to kill you. My brother's only I mean, takeaway was, I really hoped he would still be alive. Aww, and he was like, like all the no. other floating kids. I'm like, oh, Gus, you thought the floating hey. kids were alive? Oh, Gus, no. Oh, no. <laughs> they were like some of them were floating in separate chunks. I know it was really hard having to explain to my brother that all those kids were dead. Having to explain to your almost twenty years your senior brother. He has a gentle heart. Oh. Unlike my cold calloused one. Uh, so yeah, was it worth it for you? Oh, hundred percent. Oh yeah, especially because. It was a Tuesday matinee in Montana, which means it was $5. Seriously, I forgot how cheap movies are. Nice. Everything's cheap here. Yeah. What should Even our me. next movie that we talk about, not next podcast, but the podcast after? Well, if it's probably going to be Thor Ragnarok. That's in November, bro. I know. But this podcast will be out October 13th. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do one about writing on the 27th. And then our next podcast will be November 10th. But doesn't Thor come out the 17th? Is it the end or is it the beginning? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it's the 17th. Let me check and I'll just edit this time. November 2nd. November 2nd? Okay, then let's do that shit. Thor Ragnarok. I'm in it. Guess who bought their Star Wars tickets yesterday? Me too. I bought them for myself, Clark, Austin, Alyssa, and my wife. And we are going to see it uh, on IMAX in 2D with reserved seating. And I'm so excited. I'm doing Alamo Draft House 2D. I was, I, I, I opened the app last night. I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, live action Pokemon. Yay. Um, (laughs) And then I've been tweeting a lot, if you haven't noticed. And I definitely made a live action Pokemon joke. Um, But I... I was, I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, I was falling asleep and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go on the app and I'm gonna buy the tickets. And the app like froze. And then I got it back up and it was like, you're like $15.99 in line or something like that. So I, I mean, the line went pretty quickly, but I yeah, was, I, I just, I just was on that app, like watching that number go down. But yeah, I'll be seeing it Friday, the Friday after it opens, because I wanted good seats since I was doing Alamo. Sure. And so it's like, eh, if it's if it's a regular theater, I think you really need to focus on the seats rather than being there opening night. Right. We're um. I was on the app 
Well, not on the app. I was on my laptop. And, you know, it's like, you have 20 minutes to purchase your tickets. I'm like, great. You better not be dumb. Opens up. Yep. Open it up. Great. I want five tickets. Click next. Wait. 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 Goes to select your seats. You have three minutes left. I'm like, the fuck? So then I select our seats. Click next. Wait. Wait. I had 60 seconds to enter my credit card and a gift card that I had in and when i hit checkout i had 17 seconds left and it froze again i was like no 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 i got pretty upset but it worked it worked out just fine well i'm very excited for you i hope that we'll probably do a star wars one as well in retrospect i I never got to talk to anyone about force awakens in retrospect i'm not really sure i liked it you mean star wars a newer hope yeah and I think that's why. Shout out to Maya. That was her joke. Thanks, Maya. Listen to this podcast, maybe. Um, uh, yeah, but I mean, it was funny because I was so jazzed about it at first. I was like, yeah. And I'm kind of, this is why I sometimes like not recording right after one because the recency bias. I wish I had done something for, uh, for Rogue One because... I loved that shit. I still love that shit. I want to talk about that shit all day, every day. Yeah, you know me. I have my problems with it, but I think it's just... I mean, I do too. It's the rewrites, the reshoots. I get it, but it's still... God, it was ballsy. They just killed all of them. They killed all of them. It made me so happy. I was like, okay, Disney, there's hope. It doesn't all have to be regurgitating the same plot points that worked in the original trilogy because I guess I would say it's a new hope um yeah I deserve that look um yeah I'm excited about Thor Ragnarok because in the spirit of Taika Waititi it it's improvised A, a lot of it is improvised which hasn't ever happened in a Marvel film and it's very much like his style, and it's much... Well, Robert Downey Jr. did a fair amount of improvising in the first Iron Man. Yeah. A lot of those little diatribes and rants. But as far as like a whole movie versus a single character, yeah, yeah totally. And this is, this is going to be something that it's either it's going gonna, it's gonna to swim real hard or it's going to sink real hard. And I think some people who aren't... I think some people who aren't fans of that kind of... Style, the the people the age of Ultron people the people that were like hey that was a film I want to see again so those people the people I wouldn't be friends with they might not like this movie but I'm really really excited about it it looks like tonally I think it's gonna be perfect it's gonna I think it's gonna have enough of the Guardians of the Galaxyness mm-hmm. and enough of the more serious just just barely more serious than that shit um, I think it'll I think it'll I think it'll work out nicely. So uh, that'll be our next our next one about uh, one about movies will be Thor Ragnarok and it will not be the end of days. Although I'm looking at this, I think that would mean that 13th, 27th. Yeah, it would come out on the 10th. Okay. Yeah. I'm really excited that this podcast is coming out on Friday the 13th and it's about a horror movie. What, hey! what great timing. I'll be in it's Austin. It's like we planned it. Shout out to um, 
the podcast lore, which needs no help from us, but the TV show version is going to be on Amazon Prime on the 13th. I'll get on that. It's some good shit. I've listened to it. My sister used to cook and listen to it. It was sort of weird. Um, oh, watch Gerald's Game. It's another great Stephen King adaptation that just came out on the Netflix. When sex games go awry. Like super awry. Like so, like Catcher and the Awry is what it should be called. Don't worry, I, I hate me too. <laughs> Slow Claps and Rewrites is painstakingly produced by Adair Rice and Daniel Crary. It is edited with extreme prejudice by Adair Rice. Slow Claps and Rewrites is a part of the Secret Weapon Productions Library. Copyright M-M-X-V-I-I. 2017. All rights reserved. Until we've been dead for 70 years.